Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Wednesday, January the 10th. And welcome to our welcome to our commentary. Well, I got it. If you saw this, uh, it happened, I guess, a couple of hours ago that Hunter Biden apparently showed up at a congressional hearing. And then when this lady from Georgia starts talking, he walks out. He walks out. So quite a scene, quite a scene today as uh, members of Congress were debating the Hunter Biden subpoena. I guess that's what they they were doing. And uh, really quite a stunt, if you really want to be honest about it, by Hunter Biden. He shows up and then he walks out. And uh, I don't know. It You know, it, it's stuff like this just drives me crazy because there's so many more important things to be doing. And I just, uh, you know, Hunter Biden needs to come and and respect the subpoena. And I hope the Department of Justice uh, enforces the subpoena when it ends it up it ends up on, on their desk. I, I don't know what else to say. But I mean, this was really crazy today, just absolutely crazy over in one of the committees in Congress. And you had these Congress people talking back to each other and the Democrats playbook is apparently all they're going to talk about is January 6th and Trump. That seems to be all they talk about. Every one of them was bringing up Trump and January the 6th, and I guess their favorite word, which is insurrection. But as we've said many times, Trump has not been charged with insurrection, has not been convicted of insurrection, but nevertheless, they keep talking about the insurrection of January the 6th. This has now become part of the Democrat vocabulary. And I guess if you had the kind of incumbent president that they have, they have no message other than just keep talking about Trump, keep talking about Trump, and keep talking about the insurrection. That's all they have. That's all they have. But today, this is a real stunt by, uh, by Hunter Biden. I have a post over at the American Thinker today talking about Secretary Austin, Secretary of Defense uh, Lloyd Austin, as you may have heard, he he has been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Look, it's a very serious thing. My sympathies with him and his family, that's a very serious diagnosis. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, you do have to talk about the fact that he was absent for three or four days and there is no, nobody there. There's a great uh, article over at Powerline. Powerline is one of my favorite blogs. And they have a title or a headline that I think says it all. And that's vacuum at the top. There's obviously, you know, some, a breakdown, if you will, at the very top of our national security structure when the Secretary of Defense can disappear for a week, three or four days. The number two doesn't know that the number one is in intensive care. And the White House doesn't know that the Secretary of Defense is in intensive care. That is, that is scary. That's all I can tell you. That is just absolutely scary. And uh, as I mentioned in my article, there's nothing you can do about President Biden because, you know, he does, he's going to be around for at least another year. But maybe maybe Secretary uh, Secretary Austin can can honestly just step up to the microphone and say, look, I'm resigning uh, because of health reasons. And let's put this let's put this behind us uh, again. My sympathies with the secretary. He he has a very bad diagnosis. Uh, prostate cancer is not a good thing. But you do have to remember he's the Secretary of Defense. And if he's not going to be around, he's got to tell somebody. And if he cannot do his job, he's got to tell somebody. You just cannot have these lapses 
of, uh, of coverage, if you will, at the top of the National Security Council. So we wish him well on a personal level. We wish the Secretary of Defense the very best. But uh, he may have to step aside and let somebody else run the department because apparently he's not, uh, he's not doing very well. Well, something in- incredibly interesting is happening in Brooklyn, New York, where a high school literally told the students, there's no class on Wednesday. You're all going to go home and do your lessons online. Now, when I first heard that, I thought, oh, my, they're going to have a snowstorm. Maybe they're going to, I don't know, electrical problem at the school, whatever, you know, whatever. No, it turns out that they needed to put some migrants in that school. So they told the kids, no class on Wednesday. You got to do your school online. And then they were using uh, the building for the migrants. Look, this has now reached uh, a point where this is no longer, this is not even funny anymore. You know, these things, I mean, this is a complete breakdown in, in, in order, a complete breakdown in how you run something. Uh, these migrants are being used. I, I hate to, I don't want to make them victims, but they are victims in the sense that they were told by the Biden administration, come to the border and we're going to let you in. Then they get here and they find out they got to see a judge in six years. But in the meantime, they don't have work visas. They All they can do is hang around and hope that somebody takes care of them. This is the worst possible way to grant asylum and the worst possible way to bring people into the country. And I don't, you know, the Biden administration could stop this thing in a minute. They could simply go back to remain in Mexico, which means that nobody else is going to be coming in until their case has been settled. And that's what should have should have happened with these 6 million people. They should have been waiting in their country of origin or a third country until their asylum was approved. Once your asylum is approved, then you show up at a port of entry. You've got the documents. You come in and you're going to be able to work. You're going to be able to settle down and you don't have to worry about seeing a judge in the future or anything like that. That's what should have been done. Uh, but that, of course, was not done because this whole thing was broken from day one. Now, the, the, the administration during the campaign was saying that they were going to be more humanitarian. That was going to be the thing. We're going to be more humanitarian. We're not going to be like the terrible Trump. Well, I don't know what's humanitarian about this. I don't know what's humanitarian about bringing people into a country with an inconclusive status. Many of them are going to be deported. In fact, I've heard that as many as 80% of these people do not uh, do not make it when they get to the judge, meaning the judge rejects their claim. Well, if you have been here for several years and the judge rejects your claim, you're going to be deported. What are you going to do then? Are you going to go back to your country? Are you just going to hang around some of these cities as an illegal immigrant? I mean, it's a horrible situation to put these people in. And then on top of that, they paid money to come to the border. So th- these people have been used all along the way from the moment... They were paying somebody to bring him to the border to when they heard the message from the Biden administration to come to the border and we're going to let you in while we process your asylum claim. I mean, this whole thing has been a total, complete disaster. And the blame is right there in the Oval Office. No further than that. Rare is the blame. And the solution is there in the executive office as well. I understand that Speaker Johnson went to see the president today and told him, use your executive powers to fix this problem, meaning reinstate the stay in Mexico policy 
and we can at least stop the flooding of the country. I don't know if he's going to do it or not. I don't know if President Biden's going to do it, but he's got to do something because this is this is a mess. And it's really, you know, hurting people in so many ways. Think of these parents at this uh, Brooklyn school, the parents who work, who sent their kids to school. Who's going to take care of these kids at home while they're doing their, their school online? There's nobody at home. The parents are working. So the parents are going to have to call in sick, I guess, to stay home. How is that going to work out with their employers? I mean, it's just a mess. It's absolute, an absolute mess. And, and the mayor of New York City, you know, I actually had some good expectations about this mayor. I thought he would come in and crack down on the crime and show a little more common sense than his predecessor. But unfortunately, his hands are tied. The city council doesn't let him do anything. The state government doesn't do anything. And the governor is frankly worthless when it comes to solving problems. The only thing she's good for is showing up once in a while and just talking about how uh, this or this or this or that. But as far as fixing problems, you can forget it, which is probably why so many people are leaving New York. If you think about it, uh, that's why people are leaving. They're leaving because the quality of life has really gone to hell in uh, what used to be known as the Empire State. You know, the great city of New York used to be, you know, the magnet for a lot of people. Not anymore. Not anymore. Well, the president of Mexico uh, the other day at a local press conference said that he needed four things from the United States before he could help us on the border. First of all, he needs $20 billion for Latin American countries who like Cuba and I guess Central America. He needs $20 billion for those countries. He needs work visas for people up here. He needs for the embargo against Cuba to end. And he wants the sanctions against Venezuela to be to, to be stopped. Well, those are four really interesting demands, aren't they, coming from the president of Mexico. None of this is going to happen. I can guarantee you that President Biden is not going to agree to any of this because he would need congressional support to do this, or he would the, only the Congress can end the embargo. And uh, so you can forget about that. And as far as the $20 billion, that's not going to happen. And the work visas, the Congress would have to get involved. So none of this is going to happen. The, the only possible thing that the president could do unilaterally, uh, the sanctions against Venezuela could be unilaterally done by the president. But I don't think that's going to happen either. So I understand why Lopez Obrador is doing it. Look, this is, this is his last year in office. And I think he's looking to a future where he's some kind of an international leader, who's going to become a spokesman for migrants. And he's sort of preparing himself for that uh, next, uh, as they say, period in his life. So he's thinking to the future, to a future when he's some kind of a spokesman or he's some kind of a leader uh, for migrants. So that's where he's coming from, as far as I'm concerned. He's not interested in, in fixing this. But the reality is that what we have to tell Mexico is, Mexico, you either work with us or we're going to do it ourselves. And doing it ourselves means that we have to take action on the border. We have to stop this on the border. And I think that's kind of the conversation he and Trump had back in 2017 or whatever it was, because uh, Lopez Obrador and Trump were able to agree on things. And that's, uh, you know, that tells me that Lopez Obrador was willing to work with Trump. Uh, I don't think he's willing to work with Biden. That's uh that's uh, pretty obvious. Well, we remember something today on this day in history. If you remember 1982, 
on this day, what came to be known as the catch. Don't you remember Joe Montana going back and throwing that, that pass and Dwight Clark jumping up in the air and catching the pass? Well, that uh, put the 49ers in the Super Bowl against the Cowboys. And that was came to be known as the catch, one of the great uh, plays. What I find hard to believe, I saw this on TV. What I find hard to believe is this was 40, what, 42, 42 years ago. It was 1982, so that would make it 42 years ago that this happened. Where did 42 years go? Tell me about it, because it's gone by pretty fast. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.